Riding through this world All alone God takes your soul You're on your own The crow flies straight A perfect line On the devil's back Until you die Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Crossroads Podcast. It's your boy, the man of a thousand gimmicks, the dustiest man in the game, the diamond in the rough, Diamond Dave. And thank you to everyone for bearing with me on the delay of this episode. It's been really hard with the new job, and I'm not going to lie, I got home from work and I tried to watch... Um, money in the bank. However, I was overly exhausted because I've been getting out of work between one and two in the morning and usually up between seven and eight later in the day. So I have been extremely exhausted. But anyway, so I needed to, uh, watch money in the bank, um, Yesterday and today, I finally got it done this afternoon, and uh, Money in the Bank always always delivers. However, this isn't just going to be about Money in the Bank, just majority of it about Money in the Bank. Obviously, it's been two weeks since our last episode, and there has been a lot of things that have happened. Fans, the WWE Universe has returned to the shows starting this past Friday. AEW has also had full attendance of fans back. We have some things outside the ring that have been going on, etc., etc. So let's dive right into it. What we're going to do is we're going to get the world of wrestling, what I want to talk about, out of the way so we can focus on those beautiful Beautiful briefcases. So, along with WWE fans returning to the shows for the first time in, I believe it was 20 months, we were graced with a new stage. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of the new stage. I really don't think it is very imaginative. I remember back in the day how imaginative they were with all the unique pay-per-view stages, etc., etc. However, what I will say, the new stage does look very nice on TV with that 8K glow. So... Please let me know what y'all think about the new stages. They're not really my cup of tea. I think WWE could have done a little more with them, but that's just me, and I am 
a little bit picky. Also, outside the ring, we've had a couple things derail uh, WWE plans. One that caused a match to be changed and removed from the pay-per-view, and another which we have yet to see repercussions of. The first being Bailey tearing her ACL during training, being that WWE has started mandating conditioning training for the return back to the road. Do I agree with it? No. And I've read a bunch of articles on the fact that Superstars have never had to do training condition like they'll they'll train they'll practice but they've never had to do conditioning training, um, and obviously when you're exposing yourself to additional training on top of you know your time in the gym, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you run the chance of injuries happening, and that's exactly what happened. So the way it was handled was that Bailey obviously would no longer be able to compete. Carmella replaced her in the championship match against Bianca Belair. However, that match did not happen at the pay-per-view proper. I don't have the answers to that because also with my work schedule, I am not really able to watch the weekly shows as much as I used to be. So I'm finding myself catching a lot of highlights on the big stuff that happened or uh, the stuff that guys on the network will let me know that uh, stuff's going down. One of the things I will talk about a little later is Karrion Cross as NXT champion making his WWE Raw debut in a losing effort against Jeff Hardy. But before we get to that, I want to finish off with this whole thing with Bailey getting injured. Um, it obviously changed the plan, so I'm not sure if the match has already taken place. If it has, I haven't heard much about it, or if it's going to take place at a future date. But another thing that happened outside the ring is... We have a we had another Uso drunk driving incident. Um I'm I'm very touchy about this subject because I know people who have uh lost family members and friends. I've lost friends to drunk driving accidents, and it's not like this is the first time it's happened. However, we have yet to see if there will be any repercussions, I believe it was Jimmy Uso um, that it happened to. So I'm not sure what the repercussions are going to be, if there are going to be repercussions. But if there aren't going to be repercussions, then I think WWE has a lot of looking in the mirror to do. Because if it's a one-off, it's still messed up and it's still not understandable but it can probably be looked past a little more than a multiple-time thing. Especially when you think of back in the day, they used to end pushes and take people off TV for getting caught with marijuana. Now, obviously, marijuana is 
becoming legalized across uh, across the United States, etc., etc. So we'll see what is going to happen. However, even though we're not starting the money in the bank segment yet, what I can say is that from the way it looks right now, no push is being derailed. Nothing is changing because A, he's still on TV, and B, not only is he on TV, the Usos won the tag team championships from Dominic and Rey Mysterio. So, that's really a a wait-and-see type of a deal. Now, moving on to Karrion Cross, Obviously, my favorite. Now, with my work schedule, like I said, I haven't been able to watch these events live. But, good boy, good friends on the network, uh, good brother Lavish Wade, blew up my messages when I was at work when uh, Cross debuted. And I didn't, I didn't believe it at first because the only other time we've seen an NXT champion, an, an uh, NXT champion debut was uh, on the main roster was Kevin Owens. And if you remember, he debuted as the NXT champion. He won the United States Championship, only to lose the NXT Championship a little while later, and become a full-fledged member of the main roster. Right now, I'm not sure what's happening with Karrion Cross on NXT. He just is coming off of a defense, a title defense against Johnny Gargano. He has attacked Samoa Joe, and most recently, he has attacked William Regal. So it looks like all signs on the highway of the crossroads as it pertains to Cross are a potential run-in with Samoa Joe in the Coquina Clutch. Obviously, we have to wait and see about that because Joe has confirmed that he has not, up at least in of my knowledge, he has not been medically cleared. So I'm not sure if this is going to turn into something where until he's ready, someone's going to fight in his stead. But it looks like Karrion Cross is going to have a very difficult time down the road in NXT. Which brings me to him debuting on Monday Night Raw. First things first, one thing I will say, of course he's my favorite, so... Oh, the highlights and watching the match of him, he looks made for major network television. That's that's not to say that I don't consider NXT major network television, but I'm talking about big arena, big big things. I honestly could see him succeed a lot more on the main roster than in NXT. And that's nothing against him. That's nothing against NXT. The reason being is NXT has a very je ne sais quoi. I don't really know how to explain it, but a lot of people will describe that je ne sais quoi as like, you know, being the indie-rific younger brother of Raw and SmackDown. Obviously, 
you see a lot of the signees from the Indies go through the NXT system. So it has a lot more of that indie feel. Cross, while he was in the Indies before, and he was on Impact before, and he was in Lucha Underground, um, most recently before he joined NXT, I saw him with MLW at the 2300. And uh, what I'm getting at is he's always succeeded because he's a very well-rounded athlete. He has backgrounds in kickboxing, Muay Thai, grappling, and he's a very he a very strong presence. However, he hasn't really clicked with all the fans in the CWC. Now I'm I'm not gonna lie, I don't think the CWC has really been clicking with NXT in and of itself. It's a beautiful home arena for NXT, but I'm sorry. No, you want to, I'm not sorry. The fans there, for the most part, are awful. I, ha- I have friends there, so I don't mean everyone, but it, for the most part, the fans there are fucking awful. But, like, they, even their favorite, like, they cheer and boo their favorites. They, they literally, boo- everyone gets booed. Like, and then, like, all the stuff you would expect to hear cheers from, you're either, you're hearing dead silence. It's like the... Capital Wrestling Center doesn't know what the fuck it wants. And that's translating to, on TV, Cross and Scarlet not really getting that reaction. And obviously, there's a lot of eggs in the Cross basket with the fact that he has the unique entrance. You know, anytime the superstars get the unique name play on their entrance, that there's something special. So WWE is doing, well, NXT right now, is doing a lot to make him special. Now, they had him debut as NXT champion in a match against Jeff Hardy. Slightly deviating from talking about him, I just have three words I have to say about Jeff Hardy. No more words. Moving on. I only saw the highlights, but a lot of people are saying that since he lost, like, you know, every all the time has been wasted with uh, making him look undefeatable in NXT. And I, while I see where they're coming from with that... I actually look at it from another direction, in and of the fact that it's causing him to be more unhinged. Obviously, his last defense against uh, before winning against Gargano was a fatal five-way. And a lot of fans will say that is a match that really exposed him the most. But if you notice, from then to now... We're seeing him more unhinged. So they're first off ground. I feel they're grounding cross, but they're also creating a more unhinged cross. And an unhinged cross is a dangerous cross. So I'm really curious where this is going to lead. Now that brings me to the obvious. When, where, who 
does he drop the title to? I don't want to see another Gargano reign. I absolutely don't. I don't want to see another Ciampa reign. Finn's now on, Finn Balor is now on SmackDown, and we will get to that. You have Pete Dunne, who has been literally clawing to get his hands on the championship. You have Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole still going at it, so they're still in the picture. There are a lot of ways that you could do this. And then you can't, another person you cannot count out is Santos Escobar, who literally is, it's almost like impossible that he doesn't have a reign with the NXT Championship. It's just a matter of when. Now, as to the where and the when, Usually, title changes like this aren't reserved for for main television. So, I usually defer to the next TakeOver. The next TakeOver, TakeOver 36, I believe, was just announced for Sunday, August 22nd. The day following SummerSlam. Which is weird, because obviously, usually the takeovers precede the pay-per-views. Well, at Allegiant Stadium, they wanted WWE to hold the event on a Saturday. So for the first time, it's been said on the show, for the first time, WWE will be doing SummerSlam from Allegiant Stadium on Saturday, August 21st. How we get there and who we get to, I personally, if I had my, if I had my choice, it would be Kyle O'Reilly or Pete Dunne. Probably Kyle O'Reilly because I think it would help flush out the Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly storyline a lot more that this led to Kyle O'Reilly finally overcoming through and through and becoming the NXT champion and you've heard it on the show many a time before please for the love of god we want more story time with adam cole baby and i always say if you're not acquainted with story time with adam cole type in to your youtube search bar story time with adam cole And there are a bunch of segments, the last one being the lead-up to Adam Cole dropping the Ring of Honor championship to Kyle O'Reilly before winning it once again in the Tokyo Dome at the next month's Wrestle Kingdom. So, I... uh, Got what I wanted to get out of the way regarding the world of wrestling. Um, NWA is doing an all-female show called Empower. I'm excited for that. Mickey James is helping head it up. Cannot wait to see that. MLW just had their Battle Riot event in Philadelphia. 
And I, I was going to go, except obviously wrestling events, there will always be wrestling events to go to. There's only one time you get to celebrate your first niece turning one. Her birthday was on the 29th, but we celebrated her birthday with all the family on my uh, sister-in-law's side and uh, my brother's side, etc., etc., on Saturday the 10th. So I was not able to be in attendance, but um, if you haven't looked it up, check out, check it out. And just announced earlier today, thank you to, once again, good brother Wade. MLW has signed a new wrestler, and this is actually one of the wrestlers we saw most recently at Battle Club Pro. And he is none other than KC Navarro. This young man is so talented, and I cannot wait for everyone to see more of him. He's absolutely deserving of having been signed. I cannot wait to see what he does in MLW. And obviously, AW. AW's been killing it. Last week's coffin match between Darby Allen and Ethan Page was violent, to say the least. Really violent. I uh, was really impressed. I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing this feud develop. But we are starting to get the seeds being planted for what's looking to be Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. And that starts off tonight in about an hour and 13 minutes with tonight's Dynamite, where we are having an Elite versus Dark Order and Hangman Page elimination match. And... If Hangman in the Dark Order loses, Hangman loses his uh, future title shot along with the Dark Order losing future tag shot. And, you know, I've always been a fan of these, shall I say, um, matches with a lot on the line, so to speak. We had Finn Balor, as I said, return to SmackDown to thunderous applause, but his return was not the biggest return this week. This week, I know I'm going out of order, but this is actually going to help transition into the Money in the Bank coverage. We had the return of none other than the C-Nation leader, John Cena, you can't see me. And, oh my God. Y'all, like, the cheer at Money in the Bank, the cheers at SmackDown, like, they were definitely louder, louder than usual, being back after so long. And then Cena coming and basically throwing his name in the gauntlet to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. 
We will get into that once we get to talk about the Edge Roman match because I really want I want to talk about one of the callbacks to the triple threat match at WrestleMania. <clears throat> and matches between between them literally it, like I love callbacks. I absolutely love callbacks. But let me uh discuss the I'm going to go through each of the matches. I'm not going to say too much about them, but uh I'll, I'll give my opinions on some of them. So the Usos defeated uh, Ray Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio to win the SmackDown Tag Team Championships in the kickoff match. I spoke about it before. And I understand putting the titles on the Usos. What I don't understand is still doing it after the drunk driving incident. That's really serious. But now you have the whole blood, the whole bloodline heel faction draped in gold, even though, let's be serious, the plates on the Tag Team Championships are not gold. So I very, very reserved to actually call it gold. Now, the next match, Nikki A.S.H., almost a superhero, won the Money in the Bank ladders match for the women. It was her, Zelina Vega, Liv Morgan, Natalia, Tamina, Alexa Bliss. Um Naomi and Asuka. It was a really good match. And if you've heard me talk about Money in the Bank before, whether it be here or whether it be on my prior podcast, um, you know that I always love when a ladder match has the near falls. Obviously, the only way to win the ladder match is to get whatever's hanging. In this case, it's the briefcase. But there were different points in time where Alexa could have won, Zelina could have won, Naomi. Asuka, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan, honestly, was one of my picks. I, I thought that Liv Morgan was going to, especially with the being the late add to the match due to Carmella being moved to the championship match that didn't even happen on the pay-per-view. Um, or the returning Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega returned to WWE, and was immediately put into the match by Sonya Deville. And I figured with her returning, especially after the way she was fired after wanting the wrestlers to unionize, it would have had to have been something really worth it to return for. Obviously, we're seeing that she's getting more time. And now it's just her. She's not just a manager. She's actually a performer, a wrestler, but I honestly figured that she was she was a shoo-in to win the money in the bank. Well, boy was I wrong. But as always, the women showed out. And uh, they they always do. 
They always do. And I didn't know uh, what to think of Nikki winning. Um, A lot of people are shitting on the superhero gimmick. Is it my favorite? No. However, one of my favorites was the Hurricane. And obviously aligned with him back in the day was uh, Muddy Molly, Molly Holly, along with um, Rosie, the SHIT, the superhero in training. Um, The Hurricanes, uh, Shane Helms was a favorite of mine, especially we both share a huge love for the Green Lantern. I have uh, all seven Lantern Corps uh, symbols tattooed on my spine, along with the White Lantern Corps and the Black Lantern Corps at the top and bottom of that, representing uh, life, death, and the emotional spectrum. Um, But moving back to uh, Nikki A.S.H., a lot of people are shitting on it. And they think that this is something that WWE is forcing on her. From interviews that I've read from uh, Big Demo, her her husband, and uh, also her, this is something that she actually came up with. And I think far too many times, us as fans, we forget that Sometimes these superstars will want to change up their own character. It's not always from the higher-ups down. So that's why I try not to be, you know, so aggressive when it comes to newly signed talent getting new names, a la Frankie Monet, Karrion Cross, Carmelo Hayes, Ari Sterling, Trey Baxter, etc., 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 and try not to really look at that anymore, just because, uh, for example, Ty Valkyrie, now known as uh, Frankie Monet, she said that, yeah, she would have loved to have Taya, however, Frankie is an evolution of the Taya character, so to speak. So I think like a lot of us as fans have become too spoiled in the fact that if it's not what we want, we're going to shit on it. And yeah, you have the right to your own opinion. Go on ahead. But you got to take things in stride. And uh, I mean, obviously, Nikki A.S.H. can be viewed as like a role model for girls now, which is always good. Um... Obviously, we can all agree, uh, in today's world, maybe there aren't as many role models as there theoretically could be, but here we are. And not only did Nikki A.S.H. win the Women's Money in the Bank, we had a cash-in Less than 24 hours later. On Raw. You can't go wrong with that. Like, obviously, we've... We had Bailey with an extended uh, time with the briefcase. 
Asuka and Alexa Bliss, less than a day. Alexa Bliss, actually less than an event. Alexa Bliss having cashed it in a couple hours later. Asuka finding out the next day that uh, Becky Lynch uh, was going to go home to be a mom. So, um, I've, I've always liked waiting a little bit, but coupled with, mind you, that was the first Raw with fans back in attendance. You had John Cena and Goldberg show up, and it, it, it just fit. It really just fit. So, Nikki A.S.H. is the new women's champion. And I'm going to, even though this is going out of line a little bit, I'm going to use this to transition to the Rhea Charlotte match. Charlotte had another me- meaningless reign. And I 100% agree with the guys in my network who said that. I'm I'm sorry. There was no point in having her win the title from Rhea to lose it to Nikki the next day. Other than the fact that Rhea's babyface turn has been cemented, Charlotte was heel, and then Charlotte was cashed in on by a babyface. A heel cashed in on by a babyface. All right, so that makes sense. But why did Charlotte... Why? Why does every time Charlotte come back into the title picture, does she need to win a fucking title? Whether it be for a couple months, a couple days, this, that, it makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. I'm so, I feel that this is a topic once a month, once a month, and it's fucking obnoxious. And if she wasn't Charlotte Flair, I'm sorry, she would not be getting these opportunities. That's just it. And if you really want to want to compare, Charlotte was nowhere near as talented as Rhea is when she was Rhea's age. End of story. Um the match was good. I don't care for Charlotte. I love Rhea. I love Rhea Ripley. Huge shout out to good brother Wade and Beetle Jess's dog Rhea. I hope you're feeling better. Um, but yeah, it, it it just literally makes no sense. And if that was gonna happen, I don't under like It had the near falls, it had the suspense, but I'm sorry, that nothing about it made me interested. I'm not going to lie, when I was actually watching Money in the Bank, it it was actually causing me to go to sleep. And that's not because I already knew what happened, that's just because it wasn't it, it was interesting, interesting to me. It wasn't. And if you think it was, great, good for you. It wasn't interesting for me. So, moving on. Next, in the night, getting back to our, uh, getting back to our scheduled broadcast, sorry, 
we had Raw Tag Team Champions AJ and Omos defeating the Viking Raiders. Uh, Viking Raiders obviously recently returned with, um, I think it was Ivar having recovered from his injury, and Eric, as you know, is married to uh, to uh, Sarah Logan. They obviously a couple months ago had their child. Um, now, I'm really curious about this team of uh, AJ Styles and Omos, especially with the fact that it seems like the main event on both shows. It's getting repetitive. The same people. All the time. Now. Not only do you have AJ Styles. In a tag team with Omos. But you also have another. Veteran. Doing tag work. And that's Randy Orton. You have Randy Orton and Riddle. With RK Bro. And then you have AJ Styles and Omos. Now. Right now, when I look at AJ Styles and Omos, they literally scream being unbeatable. Omos with his sheer size, and then AJ with his sheer talent. I mean, for fuck's sake, the dude's been a world champion in Impact slash TNA, New Japan, WWE. I think he's also held some Ring of Honor gold, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure if he held the NWA championship Alone or just when it was partnered with TNA. But what I'm getting at is you have Omos, this mon- this huge dude under the tutelage of one of the best wrestlers of our generation. And I, I-, I don't see where, you- where you're going to have them drop the titles to. Like, are you going to have them drop to another Strange Bedfellows tag team? You guys know I'm all about those strange bedfellows tag teams. Uh, most recently, we have the Champa Thatcher connection, which went from being strange bedfellows to a tag team I never knew I fucking needed. But th- th- there re- really wasn't anything that stuck out in this match, <coughs> <coughs> other than, no pun intended, who's next? Moving on, Kofi Kingston being defeated by the almighty Bobby Lashley. What more can you say? Cody got his ass beat. Cody got his ass beat. And in all honesty, Bobby Lashley is having that defining title reign. It's dominant. Like, it literally has everything. And I still have to give credit where credit's due to MVP. Montel, Montel Vontavious Porter, for those who watched, with, who watched with me back in the day. But, um, once again, no pun intended, like, who's next? What's next? Because... Literally, Bobby Lashley is defeating all of these people with such ease and finesse. 
And the crazy thing is a lot of people are just like, whoa, I never knew Lashley was so good. This is what WWE was sleeping on. His first run, he went to the Indies. Him and Drew McIntyre had a beautiful set of matches in Impact. Bobby Lashley versus Drew Galloway. Obviously, you know they have the history here. But Bobby Lashley's always had this talent. It's just literally been WWE sleeping on it. And if this is a... Think of it this way. If this is a talent that they they slept on with Bobby Lashley from his first run into his time on the Indies to now, imagine who else in that locker room, NXT, Raw, and SmackDown, has... Equal talent that they are also sleeping on. Because we sure as hell know that they're sleeping on. But we didn't get just one answer on who's next. We got two. One having been the returning Bask in His Glory Keith Lee. Followed by Goldberg. Goldberg. Now, once again, I did not watch Raw. So I was only able to to read about this. I still haven't figured out where I can watch, like, you know, past Raws and all that. But thank God Keith Lee's back. I know for a fact he has that talent. But are we really doing this Goldberg thing again? Like, like, really? But then again, um, I'm not sure if it was uh, Andrew Zarian or... I think it was Andrew Zarian. He actually said it best that um, WWE needs a casual viewer. They really do. And while Goldberg may not make us want... Like, us as fans enjoy it. It brings eyes that usually wouldn't have already been there to the product. So I understand why. And so for all practical purposes, we are looking like we're getting Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley at the hottest party of the summer, SummerSlam. I'm a I'm curious about that. Now let's move on to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. And we had Drew McIntyre, Big E, Shinsuke Nakamura, John Morrison, Seth Rollins, Ricochet, and Riddle. Now once again... I'm always blown away at the spots that are done in this match. One that really stuck out to me. Shinsuke Nakamura applying a triangle submission on top of the ladder. That submission hurts without a ladder. You can imagine how much more it hurts when there is the additional pressure and contortion around a ladder. You had Kevin Owens being 
slammed onto the side of a ladder. Any part of you hitting a ladder hurts. But when it's standing on its side and uh, ugh, I'm my body's just cringing about it, thinking about it. But I always get worried when I see the spots where the ladder is placed between the apron, the hardest part of the ring, and the commentary table or the barricade, and somebody's put through somebody's put through it. I've seen injuries happen to Sheamus, to uh fuck, what was his name? Sincara. Like I've seen so many people have terrible injuries from that. But of course, we get another one. Kevin Owens, honestly, anytime he's in Money in the Bank ladder match, you know he's not he's taking like seven or eight crazy fucking bumps that most of us would not take. But one of the more surprising things was seeing Riddle go on a RKO tear. One after the other after the other. And I'm not going to lie. Riddle actually has a pretty good... um, He has a pretty good RKO. It's not Randy Orton good. And he doesn't have Randy Orton's timing. Obviously, case in point... WrestleMania 31, how he reverses the curb stomp into the eventual RKO. But Riddle Riddle does a pretty damn good job in and of himself. Now, I did not know who I thought was going to win this. I actually thought we could get a John Morrison win, but I also thought that maybe we could get a... Interference from the Miz that would cause Miz and Morrison to feud. Um, I was hoping that it wasn't going to be Seth Rollins because even though Seth doesn't have the <clears throat> title reigns, he's starting to approach the title match situation that I'm uh, getting with Charlotte. And the fact that literally... He's always like one step off being in the title picture. And always when you want somebody else to get the push, Cesaro, etc., etc. Doesn't happen like that. Or at least not other than a uh, a short a short couple of M feud. But um Big E won the money in the bank ladder match. Now Big E a lot of people forget, and I've even mentioned it on this podcast, Big E is a former NXT champion. He used to be Big E Langston. He, he used to be so physically dominant, he wouldn't have the ref count to three, he would have the ref count to five. Then we got the New Day, and the original iteration of the New Day was not well received. The... They had, like, the gospel singers, etc., etc. But then they had the heel turn and the power of positivity, etc., etc. And you've seen Kofi get his due. Kofi Mania happened two years ago. 
Xavier Woods, he's starting to get to that. And in all honesty, if they do ever do a King of, King of the Ring tournament in the future, I my I would first want Shinsuke to actually make him King Shinsuke proper. But Xavier Woods has been clamoring for it for ages now. But what I'm getting at is you're finally starting to see the New Day get success as single stars, but still as a collective. A lot of people were just like, how are you ever going to break up the New Day? Well, the answer is you don't. The answer is you move one to SmackDown and the other two to Raw. They're still aligned with each other, but they're just doing different things. And I, for, I for one, did not think it would work. But it did. Now, the question is, when, where, and on who Biggie will cash in his briefcase on? I don't know. If we want to go by show rules, then it's Roman Reigns. However, in the next month and a half, we have a draft. Shows are going to get shaken up, y'all. So it's going to be a huge wait and see. Which brings us to the main event, Edge versus Roman Reigns. Now, Seth Rollins is starting what looks like to be a feud with Edge on the fact that Seth Rollins was basically gearing up for challenging for the title at this event, only to be interrupted by Edge and Edge getting the challenge in. So obviously Seth Rollins has some resentment against him. Um, Edge obviously won the Royal Rumble. Daniel Bryan was added to the match. And they lost. Even though technically if you want to consider that stack up pin one on the other on the other. If anything it should have led to the one who wasn't shoulders weren't on the ground. Getting that, re- that's neither here nor there. We've talked about that into the ground. But, this was a, this was an edge we haven't seen in a while. And with that, I mean, almost unhinged. And usually I would save unhinged for the Dean Ambrose's, John Moxley now, you know, wild thing. But no, uh, definitely unhinged. And I mean, speared Roman through the barricade twice. It was something. But really, if we wanted, I mentioned earlier the callback spot I wanted to bring up and that was using the broken piece of the chair in the mouth while a cross face is applied and literally like I popped at that like I literally was like even though I knew how the event played out I was through the roof literally I was through the roof um the Usos tried to get involved only to be fended off by the Mysterios 
And even last week when you had the Mysterios and Edge together, they all entered to Edge's song and they all did Edge's pose. You know, the first one in front of the real fans for the SmackDown in ages. <clears throat> but, um, no, uh, Roman ended up winning. Obviously, we didn't expect uh, he was going to drop the belt. But, I mean, I'm I'm curious because it, I feel like if there was somebody you do have him drop the belt to, that would be Edge. And then Edge doesn't need to have a long reign. He could just have his own reign. Because if you remember his last reign, he defended his World Heavyweight Championship, then had to retire. And then I believe it was Alberto Del Rio and Christian who challenged for it, and Christian won. Um, but obviously, I'm kind of hopping all over the place because of the fact that even so, this was not the biggest thing to happen. And I said it before, and that was the return of John Cena. As it goes to the produced by WWE graphic, it, it, you just have Cena, you can't see me, seemingly pointing to that it's going to be Cena versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Now, the question is, do you have Cena win 17, Roman get it back? Obviously, in the future, they want to work towards a Roman-Dwayne Johnson program. I think there's way too much time to start thinking, I mean, to stay in a holding pattern with this now. Um. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But ultimately, Money in the Bank always delivers. Now, I be- we have SummerSlam next month, and then I believe Extreme Rules the month following. I, I don't know. I can't keep up with WWE's ever-changing, um, ever-changing schedule. So, that brings me to the end of this episode. I'm sorry about how hectic it was, um, and I'm sorry that I was only able to do the review episode. Unfortunately, it's really difficult working five days a week, getting home at like two, three in the morning to wake up at seven, eight and do it all over again. But like I said, I will continue the podcast every two weeks, like clockwork, and if an episode's going to be delayed like this one was, I will let you guys know on my personal and on the podcast Twitter. Now, if you guys haven't already seen, the Fourth Wall Pop Network has gone through a bit of a rebranding. Um, you can check out our new logo. You can check out a new clip. Like, it... it Head over to the 4th Wall Pop Network at 4th Wall Pop to check it out. It's really cool, and I think you guys are going to love it. And one of my favorite things about it, huge shout-out to Good Brother Bones, is um, so in the video, it has all of us in like a player selection screen. And when you highlight my um, avatar, so to speak, my two girls, Juniper and Drew Bunnymore, my bunnies, appear on my shoulder. And I just think that's amazing. I really do. So huge, huge shout out to that. If you guys want to see that, 
you'll see it posted on our podcast page, on the personal page, etc., etc. Now let's get into all of our ads. So you can find me on Facebook, David Malkwich, M-A-L-K-I-E-W-I-C-H. You can find me on Twitter at I-N-D-I-E underscore D-U-S-T-Y-D-A-V-E. And you can find me on Instagram at O-Z-T-E-P-0-8. You can find the show on Twitter and on Instagram at T-H-E-K-R-O-S-S. R-H-O-D-E-S, and you can find the lovely bunnies, Juniper Rabbit, Juniper Bunny, and Drew Bunnymore. We recently changed our app for that to include Drew Bunnymore, who is approaching being in my family next week for a month. Their new at on Instagram is at Drew dot and dot juniper.chronicles so that's d-r-e-w period a-n-d period j-u-n-i-p-e-r period chronicles c-h-r-o-n-i-c-l-e-s and on at the fourth wall pop network you can check out wrestling shows like the crossroads and New Normal Wrestling. You have Pop Culture Collective. You have Pop Sports Shorts. You have Views From Up Here. You have The Smoking Jays. You have Big Heck and Wade Adventures. We have a variety of content dropping all the time for you guys. So, thank you for listening. And until next time. In two weeks' time, Dusty Dave, Diamond Dave.